Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Linz. Another episode, another week. How's everybody doing? Fabulous, fantastic, fandabadozy. Alright, Poe the Passenger, thank you once again for the intro and outro music. As always, you can check their interview out, I think it's on episode 17. And it is a fun one. Alright, today's guest we have Tara Wallace. I do apologise, I call you Tara multiple times through an interview because that's how we say it in England but that's not how you pronounce your name. Tara Wallace! If any of you are like me who absolutely love singing but are terrified of singing like I shake, physically shake when I sing in front of people. I can sing my heart out when no one's there or my dog's there or my toddler's there. Totally fine. As soon as a person, a real life person comes in um, who's not my toddler or my dog's then I go to shit. And I just can't deal with it. So if you're like me, then Tara has some wonderful, wonderful advice and kind of has made me understand that whole little nugget in a nutshell. Tara is the singer. She's a fantastic, fantastic classically trained singer. And she's also the owner of the Hummingbird Conservatory. You can find the website www.thehummingbirdconservatory.com you can follow Tara on Instagram at the Hummingbird Conservatory. And you can head over to Tara's YouTube channel, which is Miss Tara the Hummingbird. And you can also find Tara on Twitch, on Twitch TV forward slash Sing With Me 2020. All these will also be in the episode description. All right, without further ado, Tara Wallace. So welcome to the show, Tara Wallace. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. So we were talking just now about your conservatory that you have. Mm -hmm. Conservatory? Conservatoire. Fucking idiot. Conservatory. Conservatory. Yes. I actually like the way you say it better. Conservatory. Yes. (laughs) Um, So tell us a little bit about that. It's called Hummingbird. Yes. Um, So uh, the Hummingbird Conservatory is a singing and vocal arts studio that I opened in 2015, July 2015. And we uh, train ages basically seven and up. That's my um, my studio. I currently have a studio of about 35 singers. Um, at one point we were up over 40 with the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. has changed things up. And then, um, at this point now you find me in a period of time where I'm still in business, but I've pivoted the business to online lessons mm-hmm. to accommodate the pandemic. Um, and we're doing really well. I mean, I, there was a, I think there was a three month period where we had to sort of adapt, um, a little bit and adapt to the technology and adapt. I had to adapt the, the execution of the lessons, but the pedagogy has remained the same and everybody's getting better. (laughs) And, um, uh, I, as I said, I work with all ages, all genres, all expertise. You know, I have people who just want to sing really great in the shower. And then I have people who are out there in the world performing. I have students who are doing things. I've done things at Carnegie hall and want to go to college for it. And then I have kids that, you know, want to just, you know, they want to be like dermatologists, but they love to sing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of this, I really believe that singing is for everyone. And I believe that good singing training is for everyone. I don't think that you have to be of a certain capacity to take on, um, excellent technique. So 
that's sort of been my my whole uh, premise. And and then within the within sort of the hummingbird thing, there's also this emphasis on creativity mm-hmm. um, and exploring your creative self um, universally uh, because. I think that that's really important when you're a creative person who's studied something so intensively to have other outlets for that creativity, take a break and kind of um, explore the other avenues that you're being led. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my students send me artwork, they send me their writing. Um, You know, uh, we've tried to launch, we tried to launch a bunch of different classes and it kind of never worked if I wasn't the teacher kind of thing. Like it was sort of like kind of around me. So that's what, um, that's where we are. That's where you find us sort of in this period of unique and <laughs> unique transition yeah. and um and then just trying to expand i think online um to reach a broader audience you know and to to get to people who maybe can't afford the one-on-one time that kind of thing yeah so yeah. you started this in 2015 mm-hmm. what made you want to start your own school because that's uh, a big undertaking yeah it was <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, it's such an interesting thing that happened with me. I was actually running another person's company for them. It was a hedge fund of all things. I I was this very sort of high level operations director for a hedge fund. um, And I had that gig to take voice lessons because I studied at a a real, I still study, but I, I studied with really high level teachers who are very expensive. So I needed I kind of needed to have a really good paying job. And I, I'd been teaching, I'd, I'd been teaching at a school in the South Bay privately. I had a couple of people coming to my home and, um, it just, it just, whenever I thought about possibly opening up, it just didn't even occur to me that I Mm -hmm. could do it, you know? Um, and then one day I actually, my niece, um, she was younger at this point. She was like eight or something. She was doing a sewing camp at a place in Pasadena in old town Pasadena. And my, uh, I was asked to go pick her up from sewing camp and I ran down and I walked into this woman's space and it was extraordinary. Like it was, she had sewing machines everywhere and the bus and she had all of her stuff and it was in old town Pasadena. It was just the coolest thing ever. And I was like, if this woman can, I can do this. I, I can do that. I'm doing it for someone else. I'm running somebody's hedge fund. Why can't I do it for myself? You know? And the issue that I'd always had, honestly, with teaching at other schools, and I think this is more about me and my um, real lack of interest in authority <laughs> or, or rebellion against traditional uh, teaching methods in uh-huh. high art form uh, was that I, I would go to these places and I had all of these ideas and I would tell them my ideas and they'd be like, that's so great. And, and then I'd say, well, you know, can I do it? And they'd say, well, you need to pay for it and you need to provide the space and you need to find the things. And then I was like, well, I'm like launching all of these programs for you in your music school out of my own pocket, you know, like there were all these things that I was engineering or all these walls I was hitting with the way music was being taught. I didn't agree with it for singers. And so there was sort of some of that going on in the background too. Like, I wish I could do this in my own unique and different way. Mm -hmm. And then that combined with this sort of moment of clarity about this really nice woman who just looked like me and was running around. I was like, Oh, it's just like a normal person doing this. Like, 
she's just passionate about sewing. I'm passionate about singing. I should open a studio. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it like, I wish it was more, I, the only thing I ever knew about myself my whole life that was that I was this classical singer and that I was going to teach singers. I knew those two things were true, but I never had any idea that I would actually have my own studio, my own space and be doing it my own way. That was never in the cards. So (laughs) it just happened. You ended up opening Hummingbird, but did you put it, is it in Old Town Pasadena? No. So we were living in Montrose at the time and I actually did. Yeah. I did like Old Town Pasadena. I loved it actually, but the rent was too high and we were in Montrose and Montrose is this lovely little vignette kind of area. Just, um, just where I I used to take singing lessons. So I'm wondering where, where'd you take singing lessons? I think it was on Honolulu. Oh, there's a woman on Honolulu at, in, um, I mean, she was in revolution dance studio. Yes. With her. Yeah. 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 She's very good from what I I'd heard. Yeah. She had the market. She cornered the market on high school students when I, <laughs> when I first moved in there. We'll, 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 um, just, we'll come back around to her because I have some <laughs> stuff to say. Oh, I would love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Uh, but yeah, so this was like 2014. And I remember this uh-huh. because a couple of things. This was August 2014. And literally within 24 hours, I'd come up with the name, the Hummingbird Conservatory. And I had a friend who was like, you need to write a business plan. And I was like, I, why? I don't even know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And she said, just trust me, you need to do it. And so I did it. You know, I've had this problem my whole life as a younger person where I was like, I don't need to do that. Just because that's what everyone else has done doesn't mean that I have to do that. But it turns out that sometimes you should save your energy of reinventing the wheel for the actual wheel that you're about to invent. And if somebody's already come up with an idea, like take it, you know? So I find, thankfully I was, I had enough humility and I journeyed far enough into self to be like, I'm going to take this guidance and advice. And I wrote a business plan and, um, it was I, for anyone, if anyone's listening to this, that's interested in starting their own business, I highly recommend it. Honestly, it, uh, it not only shows you what you know, but it shows you what you don't know. And I think that that's as important, you know, like Mm -hmm. really identifying what you don't know. It helped me see my values. You know, my husband and I would talk about it and he had a lot of ideas about how I should do things that made me so uncomfortable. Like I physically couldn't house the financial picture that Mm -hmm. he was presenting to me. And, um, and it's just because those are my, my values and sort of my personality type. And the one thing I have learned in business is that your business is a reflection and an extension of you. Mm -hmm. And it can't be anything other than that. You can't, it's like, you know, in an audition, you know, all you can be is your best self kind of a thing. That same thing is true in business. It, you can't, you can't go against your personal beliefs and grains. Like that you have to follow those molds. And so I would say it was about uh, fully almost a year later, I'd been looking for spaces. I actually did have a small space in Burbank, but it wasn't really working. It was in like one of those big rehearsal space type things. And it was just not the right room. Um, and I was walking the dog and saw this amazing retail space that had just come available on Verdugo road, uh, Mm -hmm. just South of Honolulu. And I called the landlord and the price and the, the price and the lease were exactly what I'd put exactly 
to the dime to the time amount that I'd put in my business plan. And um, when I told her about myself, I brought my business plan in. When I told her who I was, she said, oh, you're established. You're going to do great here. And I didn't feel that way at all. I mean, I'd had a few failed experiments kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. and they'd felt like failures, but actually what they were, was they were just experiments. I learned a lot and that's really what business is. It's an experiment. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what it all is. So, um, I was more established than I realized. And I, you know, and I opened up a month later and we got going. That's amazing. Yeah. It was fun. Those, that first year is man. It's a roller coaster, but it is so fun. It's, I would imagine I've never had a child, but I do think that it's a little bit like that. I think it's like birthing a child, you know, and you, you're, you're entirely responsible for it. And all of your finances are sunk into it Mm -hmm. and all of your life, our blood is sunk into it, but you also have to be willing to take some steps back and, um, keep an open mind and let it see what it's going to be. And so I had an idea of what it was going to be. And Hummingbird has just kept telling me over and over again um, what it is. And sometimes that's in line with what I thought. And sometimes it's really not. So it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a journey and it's about learning constantly. You're constantly learning. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's fantastic because obviously life is a whole learning experience anyway, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but taking on a Mm -hmm. brand new business uh, I just can't even, honestly, it kind of blows my mind a little bit because it just, it, <laughs> it feels is... very overwhelming, but yeah. I, I do like what you were saying about how you didn't think that you'd be able to do it until you saw the sewing lady. Uh-huh. It's so interesting. I feel like creative people in general have so much self-doubt, so much self-confidence and so much self-doubt. Totally. Like, like it just oozes self-doubt sometimes, even though we come across as super just like oh I'm so confident like inside it's like uh, like a big bundle of nerves I don't know what I'm doing yeah you know you know what's funny there's a great line in um the goodbye girl mm-hmm. um and I think of the the film version I saw years ago with what's his name Richard Dreyfus, and he finally books a big gig and he's like standing in the middle of the apartment and he's like I've spent 20 years building up my ego and when I need it the most it locks itself in the john and I was like that <laughs> perfect that is like the most perfect encapsulation of being a performing artist or a creative person is like you spend so much time honing this thing that is you I mean it is you like when you do this there is no way that being an actor being a singer or you know a performing artist as a dancer that you are not you have not bled for this thing that you've been doing your whole life and then when when it final when the dream finally presents itself it is frequently (laughs) not what i think it should look like yeah like this certainly wasn't this was not what i was expecting and then it's like holy shit i don't know how to do this i don't know how to do this but but what i but i have had this very interesting uh sort of spiritual awareness with it which is that um that's okay. Like, it's actually good to say, I don't know and ask for help. I grew Mm -hmm. up in a sort of this home that was very traditional where I felt like I wasn't supposed to not know what I didn't know. Like it was better to know things all the time. And then in school, I was like this really like straight A type who was like around all these smarty pants all the time. And I always felt like I was faking my way in there somehow. And, and, and they always seemed to know all the answers, even when I, so I was like, I'm just going to fake knowing. And what I've sort of learned as an adult is actually 
um, there's an enormous amount of strength in saying, I don't know, because mm -hmm. that's when the doors open for me to be led to the thing that I, I never saw coming. That's going to completely change my life and, and bring me to a closer version of who I'm meant to be, I think. So it's quite profound actually having these moments, you know, where you're like, <gasps> you know, <Yeah. laughs> you know, because it forces growth. <laughs> It forces growth and it also um, expands your community as well. Yes, so much, mm -hmm. so much. And, you know, that's what I, that's what's been amazing about being a small business owner and a singer um, is that, you know, I, well, first of all, you know, I have all my students who I said earlier are just an array of talent from all over with all these different interests. They're mm -hmm. adults, they're kids, they're people who are going into themselves, they're people who, who are growing in new ways in themselves. So there's that part of it. Then there's the small business community, which is largely female, it, especially in Montrose. It's very high percentage of female small business owners, which was just really great. I think from, um, from the perspective of, you know, where we are right now in the world, that women are, women are in the trenches mm -hmm. do at, at like at the ground level building. And yeah. I think that that's really exciting. Um, so many of my small business friends were women and are women. And, um, and then, and then just being able to talk with other people, in the world, you know, like when you say, Oh, I run a studio. Oh, I opened it like a conversation like this mm -hmm. and, and being able to share that experience with someone like yourself, who I, you are a business. I mean, you're an actor and you have your podcast, you have your web series, you are a business in and of yourself. You know, you're, you've been, and I know you because my husband's been doing stuff with you. You're entrepreneurial. You're constantly, you know, <laughs> self-generating and having new projects and stuff. So that's what a lot of it is, you know? Yeah. It's just funny because yeah, Brian and I were talking about this. We met, I think in 2014 through a mutual friend who brought him onto a project to do sound. And uh -huh. I was like, yeah, you just weren't a dick and you were just such a nice guy. <laughs> that's, like, that's why I dated him. <laughs> <laughs> he, just he just wasn't a dick. <laughs> and look at you now, you're married. Yeah, now that's we're fantastic. married. Yeah. Fantastic. But it's so like, just anytime I've had a project or anything, I'm just like, well, Brian is like the no brainer to go to because it's Brian. Mm -hmm. Because you mm -hmm. know and trust people. But like, this is um, what I was talking about expanding your community is that like you can't do certain things by yourself. And so asking no. for help is super valuable and it is a growing experience. Mm -hmm. like you said. Mm -hmm. And you just never know who you're going to meet. I didn't know I was going to meet Brian mm -hmm. and I, we worked on Blissville together. Then he did the vagina monologues and did sound mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. And then it was mm -hmm. only after that, that I was like, Oh, I've met you a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you, mm -hmm. you, you get the vibe of somebody, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, it's just starting a small business and what you're saying about actors being businesses we are singers of businesses, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that is just, I feel like, especially in England, in drama school, you're not really taught that. Well, I wasn't taught that. We were never taught that you're a business and this is what you need to know. And you need to know how to brand yourself. You need to know this. You need to know blah, blah, blah. And there's so much stuff. So 
It is like I think those are, muscles, you know? yeah, I think that that's a fairly new concept to put into acting training and performing training. Um, all my students and I have some friends who are saying that that's a big part. That is a huge part now of musical theater training. Huge is oh, like sort of the branding, at least in the States. I can't speak to anyone else, but, but it seems that in the States, there's always like some class in your curric- curriculum. That's like, know your type, know your mm-hmm. brand, like that kind of thing. And, um, you USC, I, I can say their um, their classical conservatory. They now ask candidates to present a video with a project that they have to work on their junior and senior year, which would be how do you you know a sort of some sort of self manifestation project where it's like where you know what would you improve in the performing arts? What would you do in the cl- you know is it a piece of technology? Is it um, something culturally? Is it something socioeconomically? Mm-hmm. But they want young people thinking about that because you know they've sort of realized that you know you can have all the agents and you, you want in the world, but it's still a hustle. You know, it's always yeah. a hustle. You know, so at least for the sort of people in the trenches, I'm sure. Supposedly you get to a point where it's not that much of a hustle, but <laughs> I'd never re I never reached that as a singer. I'll tell you that's never been my experience. So, so going back to the, the studio mm-hmm. with COVID, with the lockdowns, you've gone to zoom. Mm-hmm. Do you still have your studio or is that? No, I, I closed my space last year. My lease was up. Mm-hmm. Um, a horrible day, but, um, but it just, I didn't know what to expect. Um, we didn't know what was coming last July. Um, and we, you know, we live, my husband and I live about an hour from Montrose now. So it wasn't like I could, I was still using the space to zoom. I was, I was at home doing it all. So it just didn't seem, you know, I was kind of, I was losing market share. There was, I was losing students and, um, I didn't know if I was even going to be able to keep the zoom thing going, um, with the current students I had. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like I better not, I better not commit to this enormous expense for another year. Yeah. Until I, until I know what's coming. Yeah. Okay. But so you, you have been doing stuff on Twitch. You've been doing. Yes. Yes. So, um, and that was actually kind of always a plan that was, um, you know, I, so I got to the five-year mark with my business, Mm -hmm. which was a really big deal. You know, if you break one year and then you get to three years and then you get to five years, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a big deal, but it wasn't growing the way that I, uh, planned in the business plan or any of that stuff. And what it kept telling, what kept coming back to was it was sort of about, it was kind of about me and uh, my pedagogy and my style of teaching, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and so in examining that, it was, I can't, I couldn't take, at that point, I couldn't take any more students on privately. I was really he- sort of heavily booked. Yeah. So I was like, how do I reach a broader audience in less time? And, and also an audience who maybe wouldn't necessarily be, uh, feel comfortable coming for a one-on-one, but like, wouldn't mind singing from their living room. I was already sort of thinking about that, like the idea of singing from your living room. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and it just seemed like, sort of like you said about um, earlier about having your child. It was sort of just like, well, now's the time, you know? Yeah. So I launched this, um, channel on Twitch TV called sing with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I still say that I miss Tara at the Hummingbird Conservatory, but I liked, I liked seeing, there was something about that, that title. It was in my head and I just really enjoyed it. And I was working on it. It's very experimental. I would say at this point, I was working on it through the end of last year. Um, and then I took a little sabbatical from it to kind of think about what I learned and I rebooted it again, um, a few weeks ago, actually with sort of a more strategic, um, idea in mind for structure based on what I'd learned. And so what it currently is, is on Mondays at three thirty PM Pacific time on Twitch, mm-hmm. um, you come on with me and we do exercise. I talk about uh, some basic exercises for singing. It's very exercise-based. And my pedagogy is actually extremely exercise-based. There's two, it's exercise and it's repertoire, but repertoire is hard to teach online unless there's another person on the other side doing it with you. Mm -hmm. So, and that was the drain. That was sort of the drain for me with Twitch, you know, six months ago was that nobody was following me and I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. It was such a huge experiment. So, so I was like, I need to keep these kind of short. Uh, but what did end up happening was I, I was, I would film them live and I would send them to YouTube Yeah. and I started getting some followers on YouTube from it. And, um, And what they said to me was, I really love the exercises. I love your exercises. And I have to say, my exercises are badass. Like I... (laughs) Yeah, I've watched over them. Yeah, I... I... It really takes me back to my singing days. And I'm like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Yeah, I'm a real technician. That's my favorite thing is like getting into a voice and like kind of pulling it apart and like stripping it away and getting, you know, down to where it is organically and getting it on breath and like, and rehabbing and stuff. I love that. Um, so that's what, that's, what's going on now. It's on Mondays at three 30 PM. And every Monday for 30 minutes, I take you through a series of exercises. And right now there, it's actually very, um, I also like exercises that grow on themselves because I think that there's a strategy and like sort of strengthening, um, and building stamina in breath and building mm-hmm. stamina in placement and vowel uh, positioning and that sort of thing. So my exercises tend to, you know, they sort of start in a very small way with like a pattern. And then we, we sort of explode the pattern, you know, into the different, you know, where it's staccato breath and it's legato breath and it's this vowel, then it's that vowel, then you're high and then you're in low. So, um, so that's what I'm exploring. So it's a place of experimentation for me. Um, and then, and then if you don't catch it live, I mean, it's still on Twitch for up to two weeks, but then you can go to the YouTube channel and see all of them. Perfect. So it, it uh, yeah, that's where it goes. So that's what we're doing <laughs> for right that's now. That's fantastic though. Yeah. Because it's like you're adapting due to the shitty circumstances that we're all in. Yeah. And I think a lot of people haven't known how to do that transition Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. just been really hard. So the fact that you figured that out and you're like, okay. Yeah. And and I think that you can't be afraid to suck a little bit. Like I really think, um, that, you know, um, when you're launching an initiative of any kind, Mm -hmm. it's, it may, it's not going to take off right away. I mean, that's like small business 101 is that it takes, it takes a few goes. I mean, we're so fortunate performing. We get this thing called rehearsal where we rehearse to perfect before we perform. And then, you know, this as well as I do, then it still doesn't always go well, right? There's all kinds of things that can in live performance. So, um, so, you know, I think what, what can be a, just personally speaking, what can 
hold me back is this sense that I, again, have to know how to do something I've never done before. Yeah. You know, like I've never done it. I've never been on Twitch. I've never, in fact, there's quite honestly, nobody out there teaching singing online. Mm -hmm. Nobody believes in it as a platform. I didn't believe in it until kind of a little bit recently, you know? So, um, so there's nobody out there to even model it. Like I'm sort of, I mean, I don't, <laughs> but I'm like sort of at the edge right now of how people teach singing. Yeah. And I mean, why not? You know, exactly. we have why to not? lose, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, um, so it's fun. And, um, I do have like, it's sort of weird. I, I got two more I was really, again, like, you know, I say all of this to you with all this bravado, but like two weeks in, I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? You know, like you suck, <laughs> we all do you, that. Suck, you suck. Oh my God. It's horrible. It's tomorrow awful. I'll be Monday, like two hours before I'll be writing up my lesson plan. I'll be like, this sucks. I'm horrible. You know, like it's going to be so awful up here. But, um, the second week after I launched it again, I got two more subscribers on YouTube and a person hit me up on Insta in, uh, Instagram and was like, I'm, I'm so glad you're back doing videos. I really like your videos. So it was just those little bits. That's not a lot. It's not 2000. It's not 2 million. I'm not viral, but it was, um, just enough to make me feel a little bit like, okay, I'm going to keep at. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep yeah. trying this. Yeah. But it's honestly like even with this podcast, I just wanted to start it just to get creatives out there mm -hmm. and just to give people a platform because I know how difficult it is. And I've wanted people who are like in the trenches mm -hmm. doing it mm -hmm. and actually like, because uh, I, li I listen to podcasts all the time and I was talking mm -hmm. to Stacey who was on the show a couple of weeks ago and <laughs> I'm just like, I listen to them where they're famous people. And yeah. yeah, I absolutely love their stories. I love listening to how they got their big break and all that. They're shit. amazing but stories. I they're mean. amazing stories. And I love hearing them. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, but I want to listen to like people who are actually clawing their way through the trenches, who have mud in their nails, uh -huh. all this yeah. shit. And I'm just like, and I just, I haven't found a podcast like that. And the first, I think four or five of the podcasts that, that I put out, I'm like, He's a shit. No one's listening. Blah blah blah. And then I'm like, no, they're not shit. They're fun. Like, I just yeah. think back to some of them. I'm just like, this is these are great. I just feel they like are great. I've heard a few of them. Much yeah. pressure on ourselves. And yes. what you're saying about two new subscribers and someone hitting you up—that's a huge win. And you just <laughs> have to take them. I and know. I know. I mean, I remember when getting a phone call about hummingbird was like a big deal when someone would call me, you know, and, yeah. and then I still, there was a time where I didn't book students right away. Cause I had to figure out how to do it. You know, I had to figure out what the, my process was, yeah. you know, so, so I'm figuring it out again and it's very humbling. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but it's also kind of cool because you're not committed to anything either. I mean, I think it's really the heart of creativity in the, in these moments, like you're talking about when it's really in the beginning and you're just waiting for that breadcrumb to, to you're waiting to see that breadcrumb to know that you're on the right. So you're just constantly generating mm -hmm. ideas and concepts. And maybe I should try this and maybe I should do it this way. And maybe this should look like this. That's like that's, that's when amazing stuff happens, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. 
So I'm with you. And I love your podcast. And I love that the mission of your podcast, which is um, for creators. Uh, that's why I went with Twitch. Um, there was a few reasons I went with Twitch to broadcast, but one of the big reasons was that Twitch has a mission statement and in their mission statement, they talk about wanting to give space to creators to create and to share creativity. And for a long time, I think for them, it was the video gaming platform and that's mm -hmm. still a huge part of it. There's also a large contingent of women painting themselves naked late at night. I've no, no hard feelings about that. That's awesome. That's just beyond me at this point. I, I missed my window for that. <laughs> um, these women are gorgeous though. Gorgeous. Um, uh, but now like even in the last year, like there are cross, I love to cross stitch and crochet. There are cross stitchers uh -huh. on there. There's crochet people on there. There's bakers on there now. I mean, um, Twitch is becoming the place where creative people are going to create, and so that's what I sort of feel like my half hour is, is that I'm, I'm creating an exercise and I'm going to tape myself doing it into the ether. And then maybe you might want to join me. So. And I yeah. think that's fantastic. And yeah. again, I was saying to somebody else on this podcast, but like, I feel like I got to the point myself personally, where I was always so scared to share my stuff to share my writing, to share my singing, to share my, I'm terrified to say, I love singing. Mm -hmm. I absolutely you have a, love singing. You have a beautiful speaking voice. So I know you have a good singing voice. Nice. I know it. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was literally, I was terrified. I remember I did a, um, a demo reel with Brian years ago and I was shaking and I was in the other room. Like mm -hmm. he was in his studio. I was in the mm -hmm. van mm -hmm. and I was like literally shaking. And I'm just like, it's Brian, come on. But I put up a voice, a singing demo reel. I'll send it to you, actually. But Please. On my website, and I text my friend before putting it up. And I was like, is this good enough to put up? And he was like, yeah, of course it's good enough. And I'm like, but no, is it? Is Because it? I know so many people who are just such negative Nellies that they're just like, well, what are you trying to do? Like, no, it's not good enough. And no, it's not. That. And it's just like. <sighs> and I, I always just, find those negative wizard types to be people who haven't done us done a single day of it too. Like that's always who's saying that, like someone who's never actually had the balls to record a demo reel and put themselves out there. That's like mm -hmm. one of the toughest things you can do, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's so I've like, I've, I've said this before in an interview, but there's a British comedian called Peter Kay and mm -hmm. he's absolutely hysterical. He's like not smutty. He's not like, he's just so, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe him, but he's just like such a home family man comedian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, I remember watching something with him years ago and he was like, you know what? Just get a camera, record your stuff. Even if you think it's shit, it probably is shit. Record it, put it out there. Cause you're going to learn from it. You're going to grow from it. And I've just always taken that on board. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's what mm -hmm. you have to do as a creator. Mm -hmm. And it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, but what you're saying about putting your stuff on Twitch, it's if somebody, even if one person or two people like reach out, I think I don't give a shit about all these followers and like fire because I feel like you get so caught up in that stuff. Yes. That it consumes you. Yes. It's like, well, why? Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Well, why to make money? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And let's be honest. I mean, you know, um, 
part of what I'm doing, you know, is to grow my business, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but the metrics for growth on a place like Twitch are far exceed the, and are much more open-minded than mm -hmm. the metrics for what I'm sort of locked into now running a studio with one-on-one -on -one lessons. As much as I love those, there's only so much of that I can actually do, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, so I think that I, you know, I mean, I, I agree that I think, again, it just goes to this idea that if you're going to make my, any kind of money off of this in any capacity, you can only be yourself. I mean, that's, yeah. that's it. You know, um, that's what I tell my students all the time who are auditioning, you know, that you don't, you can't try to be what you're expecting them to want you to be. First of all, they don't know what they want. That's mm -hmm. like the big lie. Like they say they do, but they actually don't know. And and secondly, what's the point of trying to, trying to guess? It's so exhausting, mm -hmm. you know, like, ugh, just be yourself, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, so looping around back to the singing teacher I had. Tell me. Montrose. So I yeah. loved her to bits. I, I saw her for a long time. I think I saw her for like two years. Okay. Um, but then they just got to a point where... It was right before I went to Iceland. That was like, I just went to Iceland for two weeks and it was right before uh -huh. then. That was like, okay, I'm just going to give this a pause because uh -huh. I just, I just remember, um, like I love when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was musical theater. Uh -huh. What's your favorite musical? <laughs> oh, it, I've seen Rent maybe 15 times. Okay. Rent. I love Les Miserables. Uh -huh. I love Hamilton, Ovs. Uh -huh. Um, but I just, I remember seeing Miss Saigon when I was, I think, 10. And uh -huh. just being like, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's an amazing musical. Oh, my God. Um, That's crazy to see when you're 10, too. I They're know. very scantily clad in that show. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the splits and thongs. Mm -hmm. But no, I just, I always had been told that I didn't have a musical theater voice. Hmm. Even though I loved, even though that's the stuff I would love to sing. And I had. What I, kind of voice do you have? I've been told that it's like Joss, what's her name? Joss Stone or Eva Cassidy or kind of like. Oh, so like more of a contemporary kind of singer? Yeah. Like a pop singer? Popish um, country style, which I'm like, because mm -hmm. we don't have country music really in England. So I'm like, what? <laughs> um, like, what are you talking about? But so. The demo that I made is all musical theatre because I'm like, that's what I like to sing. Do it. But the singing teacher, any time I used to do vibrato, she used to smack my hand and tell me not to do it. And I personally love it. She would um, smack you? Like, yeah. literally. <laughs> she would smack my hand. And so I feel like it was that when I was like, hmm. And then she, instead of doing musical theatre songs, which is, it was a half hour lesson. That's all I kind of wanted to sing. I'm not singing for anybody else because I have this fear of singing in front of people. <laughs> um, right. And when you do, you get smacked. So that's not exactly <laughs> encouraging it, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. So then she moved me to like rock songs. And I'm just like, cool. But it's just not, like, I don't love singing them as much as I love singing, like something from wicked or something from tell me on a sunday do you know what i mean yeah and so yeah i just 
yeah, so I left. So you really like those parlando composers, the ones who uh, who have a lot of words in their in their melody, like Sondheim and and Lin Manuel Miranda and. What were the other ones you read? Les Mis, um, they they have a lot of words in their in their singing, a lot of a lot of rhythm in their melodic line. And it's it's funny. Yeah, I I guess I do because, yeah, I guess that's what I'm drawn to. But then I had another singing teacher in Pasadena, and with I've grown up listening to the Ruthie Henshaw, Les Misérables soundtrack. Yes, so I can I follow her singing it uh-huh. exactly. And yeah. I can see exactly how she sings it, but apparently she doesn't sing it correctly. So she doesn't sing. Well, which one does she sing again? Are we talking about on my own or are we talking she about? She sings I Dream a Dream. I Dream to Dream. dream. Okay. Um, but apparently she doesn't sing it exactly to how the score right. is written. Yes. So my singing teacher then, my new singing teacher, who I haven't seen in ages either, she would stop when I got to a certain point and then she's like, what are you doing? Because I don't, I can't read music. Uh-huh. That's the other thing. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm just singing it. And so then I actually, eventually I had to play her the Ruthie Henshaw version. And then she's like, oh, now I understand. She's like, you are very good at mimicking. Yes. You're very As good all singing. Yeah. Most singers are. Uh, that's why we start singing because we want to sound like someone else. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Um, I actually agree with that teacher a little bit more because as a singer, um, you know, a singer, a singer is a position of trust, mm-hmm. um, because another person, the composer and the lyricist are placing their artistic work in your hands for yeah. interpretation. And I always say this to my little, like the eight year olds who want to sing my favorite things like Julie Andrews and she like slides off notes, but there's no, there's actually no portamento in my written into my favorite things. And it's also a technical thing. A teacher like that is coming at it from the approach of, I want you to sing with your voice in your interpretive way. I don't want you taking on someone else's interpretation of the song Mm -hmm. um so there's there are technical reasons for that and then there's also just the sort of respectfulness of the comp the compositional work and i actually think there's a lot to be said for that in fact in les mis what i would argue is that um in i dreamed a dream and on my own two songs i've taught a lot uh the rhythm in those pieces uh is expertly done to the English language so that it actually, if you're following the rhythm uh, in the score, it actually uh, gives you emotional life mm-hmm. um, and gives the singer something to pull from. Uh, now that you're right, that's, some, that's something that's hard to learn if you don't study music, but or you don't read music, but actually reading music is not as hard as I think people think it is. And rhythm is the easier side yeah. of reading music. And at, um, at Hummingbird, that's like a huge part of it. I, we give, I give out sheet music right away. I don't care if you're seven or you're 70, you're getting sheet music from me because a singer has to know how to look at sheet music. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know how to read it. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to not be afraid to look at a score. Yeah. And the more you look at the score, the more you see things, you know? Yeah. So, um, now, the interesting point just about your other teacher in the vibrato, do you know that this vibrato is such a thing <laughs> in singing? Okay, it's so ridiculous. Like, I've heard stories like that. 
I got a text from someone today who was like, in your next, in your next singing lesson online, could you, or in a future singing lesson, could you talk about vibrato singing, like singing with vibrato? It's this weird thing. There are people, judges, people judging out there who think that vibrato is like, it's like, it's the defining characteristic of a singer. Like if you don't have vibrato, you are bad. But then I've had people say to me, can you, I've had, and so often sometimes in musical theater, cause I have a, I have a big voice. My voice is not musical theater. It's classical. And I have a big classical voice and, but I've sung musical theater and I've had musical theater people say to me, can you sound a little bit more like a little boy? And I'm like, <laughs> if you want a little boy for the role, why don't you just cast little boys. I don't understand like why I'm here, you know? Um, so vibrato is this, this real source of contention and it really ties singers into knots a lot. Mm -hmm. And my feeling is, is first of all, vibrato is actually science. It's naturally occurring as the result of excellent breath support. That's what happens. And every vibrato is different. It's unique to the instrument it's a part of. It has to do with your lungs and your capacity for air. It also has to do with the resonance in your face the bones in your face. There's so many things that go into how the vibrato manifests in the voice. And so it has to be natural. It has to naturally occur. Mm -hmm. And for some people, the vibrato is always right there. Like it's just right there. It's always been there their whole lives. So then it's just learning how to keep it on breath, keeping it well supported on breath, not letting it get too large where it's upsetting the intonation. For other people, it takes longer. They actually have to get first, they're coming out from a position of there's no, there's not even tone in their sound. It's just air. So we have to build the tone, the track of the voice first and construct that. And then once the once you're on tone, then it starts to kick in. Usually what I see is it starts to kick up in the final notes. Like if a singer gets to the end of their breath, their last note will start to vibrate just a little bit. And then once that starts happening for them naturally, we start talking about what they're doing physically in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's how you sort of weave it into the, um, weave it into continuity in your singing, but it's a very nuanced thing and it cannot be pushed. And as I said, I've heard just as many people, you know, give it the highest regard possible as people who are like, I hate it, get rid of it you know, and they're always very violent. It's always like smacking or making fun of, or it's something yeah. very horrible. Anti-vibrato people are really not nice. No it offense. Was, yeah. It was kind of damaging. And I, I actually do. Super damaging. <laughs> I think that is actually why I left that singing teacher. Um, going back to the reading the scores, because I genuinely had no idea that of I course. was doing the song wrong. I was just like, Oh, and it was in that, um, in those singing lessons with the new teacher, she started teaching me how to read music and it was so valuable. Oh, it, it literally changed. Huge. Like, even though I still can't read music perfectly, I understand what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a real big game changer for me. Yes. Um, it's huge. I mean, counting is just so empowering. If you're a singer yeah. who counts, you'll get hired because singers don't often count. It's kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. So, I know a few people, myself included, but because I just love to sing, but I, I genuinely, since I was a child, I've, I don't know what it is. This is why I never did pursue musical theater. I just always had this block of singing in front of people. Okay. Um, and I know other people, I've got friends who are the exact same way, 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we need to start a therapy group, all of us, <laughs> just to <laughs> talk about why this is. But yeah. what what piece of advice would you give people like myself and my uh-huh. friends who just feel like completely naked when we're up there like singing? Because it's a well, very vulnerable thing to do. Totally. You know? I mean, it's if you ask me, it's the most vulnerable thing to do. I know that acting can get pretty vulnerable. I've done some acting and... Uh, you can get pretty stripped down uh, as an actor, but in my opinion, singing is, I might get a little choked up, <laughs> but um, singing is just, it's your soul. You know, it's just, it is your most internal you. And even when you're acting, you still have the cloak of the role. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but when you sing in an acting position, okay, when you're singing Laurie in Oklahoma or, you know, whoever, Mrs. Hamilton and Hamilton or whatever, you, that voice is you, that, that voice, you might be, it might be you, you know, interpreting the music on behalf of that character, but your singing voice is always you, always you. The other thing about being a singer is you are a singer all the time all the time. So if you are, obviously, if you're going through anything emotionally or mentally, that's stressful or upsetting that takes, uh, you take a hit there, but it's also, you know, you're using your instrument all the time. You're talking all the time. You're, we use our bodies all the time. So we, we, it's a, you're like an exposed nerve all the time as a singer. You know, yes. Yeah. You're, you're it all the time. You can't put it away. You can't put it in a case and throw it in the trunk of the car. I can't close it back up at the end of the day. I can't readjust it. If I'm having a bad time, it's me. It's me. So that's why you feel naked because you are, (laughs) that's the I would say to people is you're having that experience because that's the experience of it, you know, but what I always tell people, I mean, I think that this is so hard with adults too, because I think, you know, kids, one of the things that's been so great about working with younger students, like eight, nine, 10 year olds is they have such fearlessness in them. They're Mm -hmm. just, they have not been, they have not been crushed, you know, by, (laughs) by life yet, um, you know, by their expectations, by ideology, you know, like they, they just have such fearlessness. So they're, first of all, just wonderful mentors for me as a teacher to just see that, like you hand them a piece of music and they're like, okay, I'll try it. Like you very rarely get a no from an eight-year-old, you know, they are not like, you know, opposed, but I think for adult singers, it's actually much harder because of all of those things I've said. And then also because many times you guys have gone through the process of being with singing teachers or in organizations where you've been mistreated. And I say this as someone who's been where you are and has had teachers that have been horrible to me. And I, and I'm still paying them a bunch of money to train me. Um, and this was always the issue that I had with teaching singing is that it's, it's, they're, they're tough in the wrong ways in Mm -hmm. the, you have to be tough as a teacher of singing. You do have to be disciplined, but, um, there is a way to communicate that kindly and compassionately. And actually from a place of, um, of self, you know, like I've been where you are. I know what you're feeling right now. I know how this feels to get up on stage and do this thing. I know how brave you are for doing it. Do you know how many people will never do this? Many, many people will never do this. So the first thing I want to say to you and all your friends who've been like harmed in this way, or felt like you can't, or you shouldn't is I'm so sorry because that's wrong. Yeah, That's so wrong. 
<laughs> I feel so bad about it, but, but I, I feel badly about it because I hear it very frequently. You're not the first adult performer to tell me this and you probably won't be the last, you know? Yeah. And then the second thing I want to say is that I think that if you feel like you should be singing, you need to sing. Like that yeah. sounds dumb, but that's your singing voice telling you to sing. Like mm -hmm. when you're like, I should be singing. I should be singing. I really want to sing the song. I was, that's because your singing voice wants you to sing. You're meant to be using it. It's not meant to be kept inside. It's meant to be shared. That's the point. That's the point of it. And the sharing is the story that you have to tell, you know, now this, there is technical stuff that comes in for sure. Breath support, placement, vowels, and I'm hardcore about all of that stuff. I really believe in it, you know, and the better you get at it, the more confident you do get in using your instrument. So there is something to that training mm -hmm. that, um, that you just, in fact, one of my adult students said to me yesterday, she had a rehearsal on a song she felt really unsure of, but then she sang through it. And all of a sudden she's like, I know what I'm doing. I know how to use my voice. I know how to handle my voice. And she, th she actually thanked me at her lesson. She said, I want to thank you because I don't think three years ago I would have felt that way, yeah. you know? And it was for the same reason because she'd been disparaged or talked down to, you know, the people who are making these judgments forget that, like, I think they really forget how long you've been in that practice room singing, uh, you know, I dreamed a dream or how long you've been dreaming, you know, like dreaming of singing this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, they forget that. And, and then they just judge you, you know, based on a series of things that are entirely, in some cases, entirely subjective, you know? And then you personalize that because how can you not? Yeah. It is personal. Well, I'm going to send you my stuff because I, I just, I yeah. love singing. I yeah. love singing. Well, you um, should be singing then. It sounds like to me, I say I just, sing. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things as well. It's like, I feel like one of my goals and my dreams is to be in a musical film. Yeah. Because I, I just feel like I've missed the boat on musical theater. Like that's just sailed. Not I've true. Just, there's a lot, there are parts out there for you, but they're the, they're kind of a little bit older. Sorry, yeah. but that's no, the truth. <laughs> I'm, you know, what? I did a self tape yesterday and I was like, I am now this older role. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm totally But that might that. actually be great. That could be totally freeing, you know, yeah. because that's when, you know, some of the really good work happens too, is yeah. in the, when you're not carrying a whole show or you need to be the ingenue or something, you know, what but, um, but also just, just, I'll give you one practical point for singing mm -hmm. on stage or singing in front of people. If you're freaking out, it's about breathing. It always comes back down to breath for singers. The number one, I say this to all my singers had a, like a first trial lesson yesterday. I said this to this guy, the number one, most important thing for singers ever. And always the Bible of singing is in breathing. It's, I still work on my breath support. You can never work on it enough. And so, and the interesting thing is that that's the thing that's frequently the first line of fire when nerves set in. It's, you feel like your breath is, is uh, betraying you, but it's not. You just have to say, and I do this every single time I walk out on stage and I feel the nerves. I say, I say inside of myself, breathe, breathe, Tara, breathe. And then pretty soon, you're six or eight measures into your song and everything's going fine. So yeah. it's about breathing really. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's just a good life lesson in general. It is. Breathing is like, yes, it is. And it's great for performing artists, even mm -hmm. actors to know how to breathe, to know yeah. how to 
clear your mind and get into your body. That's really important. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Tara. I call, we say Tara in England. That's I know fine. You guys, I know you I, guys say Tara. Yeah. Well, um, my mom, my mom, I'm Irish actually. So what I'll, I'll tell you a funny music school story about that. When I was uh, in music school in conservatory, uh, one of my teachers said, you really should, your name really should be Tara. Tara McGrath. That was my, my maiden name was McGrath. And I went home one day and I told my mom, um, you know, Fritz Moses said, um, my name should be Tara, not Tara. And she's like, it's Tara. (laughs) (laughs) That was the end of that. I was like, okay, but I never mind. You can call me whatever, you know, call me whatever. It's funny because I know so many people like Cara in England would be Cara Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. It's, it's just a different way of saying it. Uh, well, and they spell Tara differently. Some people spell Tara as T-E-R-R-A, but oh. I'm the, I'm the Irish pronunciation of Tara. I'm ta- like that, ah, that, that very like sort of kind of flat, brighter Irish ah that they have. Yeah. So it's Tara. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you for coming on. I just want to, before we go, I did this yes. with Brian. This is a new thing that I'm doing with oh. my American guests. Yes. Uh, the passenger got me onto this. But I'm just going to give, I'm going to throw some British slang at you or British sayings at you. And yes. I'm to see if you can tell what they are. Figure out what they are. I'm to, I'm to define them. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> I'll just do like three or four of them. Chock a block. <laughs> I mean, throw something. <laughs> so I'll is- say I'll say it in a sentence. This place is chock a block. Oh, this place is fucked. Mm. No, <laughs> is that too much? Or no. Am I gonna have to no. get bleeped out? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, it just means a place is full or busy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I totally don't know what that means at all. <laughs> okay. Okay, Sorry, you um, said slang, so I thought it was going to be bad words, but maybe oh, it's not. no, you're good. Like, okay. <laughs> just like sayings, just sayings. Okay. Um, uh, dishy. Dishy. Oh, like... Someone's uh, a bit dishy. A bit dishy. Is that like a bit fancy or uh, high maintenance? It's someone who's very, very good looking. Oh, okay. Oh, he's a dish. I should yeah. have known that. Yeah, I've used that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that. Um, easy peasy. Um, it's very easy. Something's yeah. super easy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Faff. Can I have it in a sentence, please? Stop faffing around. Faffing around. Fooling around? Pretty much. Yeah. Effing around? Was it the bad word that I used it's, earlier? <laughs> it's just you know. <laughs> just okay. You know, just wasting time. Wasting time. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, faffing around. Um, I also, I don't know if this is a thing, but faff, I always say faff uh, vagina. How do you, how do you spell that? F-A-F-F, faff. Ah, faff. I yeah. like it. So yeah. there you go. We'll leave it there. That's a good, that's a good staccato word. Maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll put that in a staccato exercise. Faff, 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 faff. <laughs> Well, this was a delight. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I just love, I just love listening to everything, you know, just that's, that's a great, so you're clearly meant to be a host because then you can talk to a number of different people doing different things, but thank you for, thank you for seeing creators and wanting to hear them and wanting to put them somewhere where they can be heard. I really appreciate that. Yeah. All All right. right. 
Well, thank you, Lynn. So and yes. say hi to Brian and bye to I Brian. will. And I will. Uh, Take care. Thank you so much again, Tara, for coming onto the show. That just was so inspiring. And I'm going to get singing. And I'm just, that whole, we are just raw nerves. I just, it just resonates so much with me. I hope it resonates with other people. And just do it. Just the more you do it, the better you're going to become. So just keep doing it, guys. It's terrifying. It's terrifying, but you can do it. All right. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye-bye.